Hello, everyone. Welcome back to I See What You're Saying, the Disciplined Listening Podcast. I'm Michael Reddington, and today it is my pleasure to introduce our next guest, Robert Scrobe. Robert is the leading expert on subscription member retention for businesses. He is the president of Member Services, Inc. and author of the book, Retention Point. And now some people might be thinking, Mike, what does retaining subscription members for businesses have to do with listening? And the answer is everything. Because if we stop and think about why these subscription members choose to maintain their subscriptions or leave, Often it comes down to how they believe they're listened to and the experience that they have with the businesses they subscribe to. So you're going to hear lots of great examples in this conversation. And yes, some of them do apply specifically to subscription business members, but also to all of our high value conversations, including concepts like selling feelings as the outcome, understanding that people see themselves as unique and want to be recognized that way and building trust by delivering on the promises that we make. This is a great conversation. Robert has so much to share, and I'm really excited to share it with everybody today. Of course, before we go further, I do want to make sure we take a moment to thank our sponsors. First, we have HumanTel. For all of you that are looking to learn or develop the ability to understand what somebody's changing emotions might mean in the context of the situation, I highly recommend you head over to HumanTel.com and enter the code INQUASIVE25 for 25% off all of their self-paced online best-in-class training to learn just that. When people's emotions are changing and their facial expressions leak that information, what does that mean to us in the context of the situation? Training is well worth it. I've completed it all myself. I vouch for it personally. For anybody interested in developing their emotional intelligence awareness, please head over to ei-magazine.com and explore their growing library of emotional intelligence resources, books, podcasts, interviews, online training, cohorts, in-person training, and beyond. It's all there for you at ei-magazine.com. And of course, for all the professional interviewers that are listening, please head over to the International Association of Interviewers at certifiedinterviewer.com. That is where you can explore all of their networking opportunities, resources, investigative and legal resources, all of the education opportunities, in-person, live events, and beyond all the benefits that members receive. If it's something you and your organization are considering, please head over there and check it out. And while you're at certifiedinterviewer.com, also explore the Certified Forensic Interviewer designation and see if that is something you believe you and your team are ready for as well. As always, thank you very much to all of you for being here today, watching and listening to the show. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. So now without further ado, I introduce to you Robert Scrope. Good morning, Robert. It is so great to see you. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. It's an absolute honor. I uh, read your book a a couple of years ago at the beach and have absolutely admired you and what you do and how you go about uh, the conversations and connections that you make and uh, just absolutely love being on your program. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I apologize for negatively impacting your vacation, but I'm grateful that you took the time to read my, read my book. So thank you very or actually, much for it was that. Probably, 
probably more have to apologize to my wife. I enjoyed the book. So. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, but so for people who aren't necessarily aware of who you are and what you do, this is going to be a drastic oversummarization, but you are essentially the expert on subscription member retention. And we're going to get into your background in that. And honestly, how that ties into communication and value and relationships, even outside of, of that world. But if you don't mind, take as much time as you like. If you could help us understand understand what led to led you excuse me to your current role expertise passion absolutely well thank you uh i actually work with subscription businesses and help them stop their subscribers from quitting and it all started uh back in 1993 uh, i was up in public accounting and hated it i was there for three and a half months and a whole story on that, but uh, I got took a job as a bookkeeper for a consulting firm that worked with nonprofit associations. And as it turned out, uh, six years later, I actually bought the company. Uh, but uh, and then all of a sudden, I had twenty five association clients, and I was responsible for membership marketing, conference marketing, exhibit marketing, sponsorship marketing communications of all all types and it wasn't um it wasn't too much before that that I discovered this whole vein of direct response copywriting and I used all of the that forum to learn how to how to create sales letters all that back then you we were mailing sales letters out and hoping that somebody would mail back a check and yeah it's a lot involved in a check where you got to go get the checkbook. You got to go write the check. You got to log the check. You got to put the check in an envelope. You got to put a postage stamp on it. You got to address the envelope unless we had provided one. And then you got to put it in the mailbox. There's a lot. So it takes that, that threshold of getting somebody to make an order was pretty high. And we were sending out letters and I was writing them for at that time, more than 25 and kind of over the course of about four years, more than 32 different industry niches uh, doing all of their subscription, membership, exhibit, conference, marketing materials. And along that time, I started around 2002, I started sharing what I was writing with some copywriting gurus. And they're like, wow, you really should be writing for for profit. And, you know, because to be honest, you know, the for profit is a lot more lucrative than the, the nonprofit world. And so uh, it was about that time I really made a pivot towards for-profit subscription and membership business. And I actually created my own membership organization in 2005, a for-profit. And then I sold that in 2012 and was kind of casting around with, you know, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to operate? And that's really when I started consulting with for-profit large subscription businesses that, you know, in 2018, I authored the book Retention Point. And that book has, uh, I've sold more than 15,000 copies of that book. in the years since I was looking at the report this morning, it's, it's ridiculous to think uh, that you know, more than 15,000 copies of that book, just barely more, but uh, 15,000 copies have sold. And, uh, and and so that book has been a tremendous value to to I've heard from uh, from readers as well as uh, as as to me as a client generation tool. So I work with subscription businesses from billion dollar brands, uh, international subscription programs to startups 
uh, or a, you know, a significant business that maybe wants to create a recurring revenue stream, I work with them to create a, a business that attracts subscribers, that keeps subscribers, and scales quickly. That sounds like a fantastic journey. And I know a little bit of it because we, we've talked before, mm-hmm. but I, I certainly appreciate you doing the recap. Um, and we're going to get into a lot of what you're doing now. Because for me, when I hear stopping members from quitting, mm-hmm. I hear stopping people from leaving a relationship. Mm-hmm. And when we think about stopping people from leaving a relationship, now that applies to manager employees, that applies to business and customers in a more traditional sense, totally. negotiation opportunities. There's so many potential conversations that these points apply to. So I'm very interested to learn more about how you operationalize this in your field, where mm-hmm. you've seen some mistakes, seen so much success, and, and how we can kind of parlay that over into some other fields as well. But you made an interesting point. To get somebody to open an envelope for people that remember was like to get mail. I don't know how many people was the last time you've been to your mailbox unless you were looking for holiday cards. Um, But for people to actually get a letter from somebody that they didn't know, didn't solicit from and open it. Mm -hmm. Most of us will just tear it up and throw it away, let alone open it, Mm -hmm. open it, read it, agree to it put a check in that envelope, take it back to the post office and mail it. Like the, the behavioral barriers to action and commitment at each one of those levels get more and more significant. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious without going into like the minutia and the little details, what were the specific principles or techniques that you used at that time to get someone to pass through all of those barriers? Yeah, I think the the key thing to recognize was that that and I've I've used this I say this all the time today with clients, but uh, I, I remember talking about this you know more than twenty five years ago is that you know nobody whose children went hungry last night is buying this offer today. You know, this is a luxury purchase. This is. This is not something, this is not a commodity. You know, people, you know, that was true then. And it's also true with any subscription. You know, people are not, people who have money problems are not buying subscriptions. And so the idea is, okay, this is a luxury purchase. Now, what are the principles of a luxury purchase? And I've had the opportunity to work with uh, Harley Davidson dealers of Florida, working with cooperative marketing as well as doing sales training and and training up multiple departments for you know since uh, 2003. And one of the key things that you know the Harley Davidson is a very remarkable luxury brand because I don't know another luxury brand that has more than 50 percent of the market share within their business category, and Harley Davidson sells more than 50% of the motorcycles. And it's like, okay, well, you know, what's different about a Harley than is maybe a Honda or even a BMW and uh, another luxury brand within the motorcycle space. And, you know, obviously the Harley Davidson is really more about how it makes you feel. You know, it's the story you tell yourself when you have it and when you ride it more so than the actual transportation value of being able to get yourself from one place to another. And so when you're selling a subscription, 
the real key driver is not necessarily the value stack of we're going to give you these benefits because you know a lot of people seek to go all right we we need to give them more stuff we need to give them more value we need to find more things to deliver so that they want to stay that really has nothing to do with it it's really it's like that if like harley was trying you know they're not those are not super fast motorcycles more so than any other you know they're not bigger they're not i mean they may be fancier and more premium but they're not in any way more there's no there's not extra tires there's not extra handlebars there's not an extra seat there's not an extra muffler in fact maybe there's less of one like but you know so what is it about it so it's all about the feeling that the, it gives you and when you understand that you're selling the feeling as the outcome versus the stuff it completely streamlines how you uh, make the offer, how you create the presentation, how you deliver, and what you deliver when you bring them in, and 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 it's it's a very different way of thinking than most products sales companies that I work with. Like maybe they sell coffee, and they want people to subscribe to their coffee of the month uh, subscription. Well, they're thinking in terms of coffee. And maybe if we give them a pound uh, or a pound and a half, that's more value and that will retain them. But really, it's not at all about that. It's about the story that the customer is telling themselves and how they feel about using that coffee and what they think about when they uh, sip a cup of it, more so than the actual value of your coffee versus Folgers. That's a great point. I feel like oftentimes, people, organizations can tend to overestimate their own value, can tend to overestimate how other people will react to their perceived value and can underestimate how their competitors are selling the same exact value. Like maybe you really do have better technology. Maybe you really do have better customer service. Maybe, maybe you really do have a more unique product, but if all your competitors are saying the exact same thing in the market, then those aren't differentiating factors unless you've had someone who's experienced them and knows it, knows it to be true firsthand. Well, well, and it's, I mean, it's unbelievably obvious that, I mean, if you like, I use an iPhone, uh, but, uh, but iPhone is the premium player in the market but if you really compare an iPhone to a Samsung, I mean, like you you look at the specifications, the span Samsung is way better. Camera, way faster device. It's it's better in every case, except it's not the premium device. And the story that an iPhone user tells themselves uh, versus a Samsung user is very different. And, you know, the Samsung likes the technology, they like it, or they just like that it's inexpensive. But the iPhone, it's a club, so to speak. If you're in the, you know, blue, uh, blue message club, then you're in. And if you're not, then you're not really worth texting. <laughs> I do have a Samsung and I have been told that. By <laughs> well, and they've literally used oh, the green oh. and, and, uh, and blue before. <laughs> yeah. Send me an email if you would. <laughs> Uh, not a text. I'll make sure I adapt moving forward. <laughs> Loud and clear. Message, message received. <laughs> that point of what what we're really selling is a feeling. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's more true in subscription membership because there's not as much of that interface mm-hmm. as you might have in a traditional B2B or B2C relationship or an employee manager relationship where you're seeing each other more. So when we're thinking about a subscription service and my wife might be a better person to have this conversation with, but I feel like many, many businesses are just piling onto that subscription model more and mm-hmm. more and more. How are subscription-based companies successfully creating that feeling? And I know it's going to be different brand to brand, but how are they creating that feeling where they don't have the ability to directly interface as much in a traditional sense? Well, I can't wait for the episode of the dis- 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 disciplined listener uh, that features your wife as the guest. I think that that'd probably be great. Uh, much better it than me. It will happen. <laughs> but um, the I think it, it's it's actually exceptionally easy, and when you understand what you're delivering, and the you know so so then it changes your languaging about what you are offering, and it helps the user see themselves as a unique and smart individual because they are a part of this. Uh, you know, and, and if it's if it's coffee, you know, um, an excellent example is Black Rifle Coffee, and you know, they are a veteran-owned, and they've got a YouTube channel with them with guns shooting up stuff, and it's quite remarkable if you're at all into guns. Uh, they ha- they have a um, I think a Silent Night with their shooting targets on, on a range, and each target has a different like, but for a for a uh, somebody who is into guns and maybe a former veteran, that is pretty cool stuff. And and I have talked to several Black Rifle Coffee, and as I was introduced, was from a veteran, and he, and he had a monthly subscription to Black Rifle Coffee, and he got a little bag of the little K cups and a bag of little drip cup coffee that came every month, and he's like, yeah, it's really veteran owned, and I really like those guys. And, and so it was, you know, there's, there's coffee being transacted here and delivered, but coffee was a commodity and he was paying more for the coffee than he could have gotten it at the grocery store, but he liked the feeling that he got by buying it. And of course, Black Rifle Coffee has a story about why their coffee is better and why they're roasting it and the way they're roasting it. All great. There's a story there. All of which points to the fact that there that that people are buying the story and the feeling that that story gives them more so than the coffee itself and that this is so when when you are when you understand that you sell based on the story you lead you generate leads based on the story and the feeling and what you're doing and how you're different and what this is all about and how you're you, with the, the the exclusive nature of of what we're doing around here and and then when you onboard the subscriber where you know what we we we'll probably talk about this too but the the most subscription businesses lose their subscribers within the first 90 days you know the what i find over and over in subscription business numbers is they lose of all the subscribers they lose within the first year of subscription which could be 80% of those that join quit within the first year, but half of those quit within the first three months. And then half of those that quit within the first 90 days quit within the first month. 
Wow. Now, not every organization has finer uh, detail than that, but I often find that when they do, we often identify that half of the people who quit within the first month actually quit within the first week. And it makes that first week of the subscription absolutely critical. And often there's free trials and things like that that are involved that we've got to convert over into paid anyway. But the subscription businesses who understand that story and reinforce it during the first few hours, days, and weeks of the subscription are those that are able to keep their subscribers in scale. That's a great point. And one I'd love to circle back to, <coughs> excuse me, but even again, tying that over to some more traditional business applications, I feel like in many ways, the same can be said about onboarding new employees, that we go through this whole process of attracting, recruiting, getting them in. And then once they're in, like, hey, how you doing? There's Johnny. Here's HR. Sign this form. Here's a key. You said you can do all this stuff, right? Have at it. And now mm -hmm. they have all these questions. It's unknown. It's a new place. And a little bit off what we're talking about, how, and I say this rhetorically, of course, how much money could companies save in their employee engagement programs? If they just did a better job onboarding people. So totally. we solidified that relationship when it was fresh, earned the trust equity to ride the roller coaster together after. And it sounds like in this example, doing that with subscription members is more important. Well, you could do it with your customers, with your subscribers, your employees, certainly referral sources, uh, and new friends. You know, that you know, and and you, you think about that's this is kind of one of the things that 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 I have to teach subscription businesses is this whole idea of building a relationship and kind of breaking it down. But you know, before you you if you you know, most subscription businesses, they're like, oh, we got all these benefits when you join and we'll deliver them to you. And it's kind of like saying, I'm a great husband. Why don't we get married? And, <laughs> and you don't get the opportunity to be a great husband before you're a before you're a good first date. And you've got to master the first date and get that right, and then move on to uh, be you know, a second date, and then maybe be a you know a, a boyfriend of some description, and then after some term of that of being a good boyfriend or not, and then trying again and going back, going back to the beginning and kind of starting all over again once or two or three or four a dozen times, then you could get the opportunity to be a good fiance. And only then do you get to be a good boyfriend. So if you want a, an employee that's a rock star, A plus employee, I'm with you. We're all looking for that. But you're not going to go from a you know, prospective applicant sending their resume to A plus employee. That doesn't happen. You're going to have to go from applicant and do a great interview and be able to assess skills and assess fit with your culture and whether or not they're willing to work and they've done work and willing to work in your environment and with you of all people. I mean, come on, who would work with you? Right. Uh, and, and, and then, and then you got to assess, and then you got to like, see if they're going to play nicely with others and with others going to play nicely with them. And then you got to then get them into your culture and help them understand what, what's going on around here. It's the same with your employee, your referral sources, your friends. You know, it's you know any type of relationship is iterative, and before you can have that lifelong relationship, you got to learn how to foster one. And you can do it at scale. It doesn't have to be manual talking back and forth, 
but you just got to understand that that's that, that there are steps involved and you can't move from zero to lifelong relationship. Uh, it doesn't happen. There has to, there are, un, when you understand the steps that are involved, then it's actually pretty darn easy. I believe it to be. So if I may ask to the degree, I know I'm asking you about your business. So share what yeah. you're comfortable sharing, of course, but specifically for the subscription membership business, what would be <clears throat> these critical steps that these organizations should be considering as they are either entertaining, pivoting to that model or maybe refining their model? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. And in fact, I was making the same mistake. I remember sitting down you know, to, to create a you know, a grand marketing campaign in about 2008 or nine. And, you know, we had this <clears throat> vision of what this, what this was membership was going to be like. And we're trying to sell this grand vision of how awesome we're all working together and how it was going to be fabulous. And then uh, there's a book that came along called Tribal Leadership. Yes. And when I read that book, I'm like, ah, this is the answer. Now, the book Tribal Leadership is all about in the context of an employee-employer relationship, but I figured out immediately that it's also the same way that all relationships get made. And the you know, with when you get a new subscriber, a new member, you're you're not going to scale and have a fast growth curve if all of your benefits are delivered long term. Um, I had a client that, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, the, the subscription gets better. You know, when you're been a subscriber for a year, it's so much better than in the first few months. And when you've been around for three years, it's 10 times better. And I, I kind of told the client, I'm like, you know, if, if I was offering you to buy my car and I told you that this is an awesome car, it goes 30 miles an hour. And that every week between now and the next year, it will go one mile an hour faster. And so by the time, you know, a year from now, it's going to be really fast. You'll be able to go down, you know, any local road and you'll be set. And then in another year, it'll be one of the fastest cars on the road. How many cars do you think I'm going to sell? Like none. So the subscription, there's got to be an immediate value, some sort of incremental thing that goes I got to have that. I want it. Give it to me now. And one of the things I teach in my book, Retention Point, is that that value, that thing they get can be the actual onboarding process that helps them understand how to get value. And uh, I talk about, uh, I can, that that'll be kind of an interesting thing, how I figured that out. But the, um, but so in the beginning, very incremental fast value that the subscriber can use immediately and feel successful, feel like they have uh, taken a breakthrough. Then as they do more of that, it's important to introduce them to other members because uh, you know, anytime you've done consult, anybody that does consulting or any kind of work with people, very quickly, uh, all of a sudden, your customers, they, they go from not knowing anything to like the next level is they think they know more than you. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I think I got everything I need. You know, they 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 like think that they've learned, you know, what you know, what you what took you, you know, I'll say what you took you three years to figure out. I know you've been around, but I'm not going to disclose how long for your for your own sake. But Thank the, you for keeping know, the, the secret. The gray hair, gray hair is given away. But the um the you know what you've learned uh through a career 
they feel like they have learned by a few conversations and maybe some work over the course of a few months. They think they're smarter than you and they go. And it's critical that during that phase, you introduce them to other members and you can do it through media, through uh, through email campaigns, through the mail that they get, through the stories you tell, through the fulfillment product, giving them examples of other people who have done this. And what it helps them do is go, wow, it, it, they, they, they get a new level of possibility because whenever you're in the personal development or even in like psychology, what happens is when somebody comes in initially, they're in a lot of pain and they're really, really frustrated. And you kind of help them get some things straightened out and they feel better than they have in many years. In fact, they might think they're done. And what's crucial in that time is to help them recognize that while they've made a lot of progress, that they're really only just beginning. And that feeling that they have of, of relief is actually a very normal step in the process of becoming really good at what they're doing. And, and, that it, it, and you do that by helping them see others. Then when they get to the next level, the third, uh, they get to the point where one, they want to give back. And they're contributing to others that are joining and they want to be part of this community. And then they all and then and then what also happens is they get to the point where just just one little tip or one little idea or one little insight uh, for the entire year might be worth their investment and engagement in the community because it's really no longer about money, it's about connection. And they want to be connected to this community that helped them get this value that they've experienced. And that's that those steps are uh, really the key to helping folks feel like they're part of this movement. I really appreciate you walking us through that. And I'm I'm trying to listen to this in two ways. One, the subscription member business. Mm -hmm. And two, and you mentioned this earlier, I feel like these are universal principles for developing and managing relationships. Mm -hmm. So how am I giving some sort of immediate, tangible value? It not, doesn't necessarily have to be what I'm giving you, but how I'm giving it to you, mm -hmm. how you experience that. And then as we go through, how not only do I continue to give and potentially diversify the value, but how do I bring you into the process? So it's not necessarily this giver-receiver relationship. There are ways that we can con both contribute as we go through, and that really defines a relationship. It doesn't just define buyer and seller. Yeah, and I think it, it, when when you demonstrate that you're working, like you do these things in a way of building a relationship, and even if you're just outreaching through your media, and you're not physically doing it, but you have created a email autoresponder sequence that does this, or you've created a system that your team is executing that is built upon this, that it automatically triggers within the people who are receiving it a, a, a presses their reciprocity button, and they 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 want to engage. It's you know I, I can tell you that like one of the chief frustrations of subscription businesses is they. They deliver everything they promised, but then the subscriber doesn't use it, and then they quit. And that's the this is this is the difference: is you delivered stuff rather than reached out to build a relationship. 
And when you reach out to build a relationship with the customer, you know, it changes how the messaging goes, what you say and how you outreach and what you're doing when you do that. You know, the, the stuff you promised kind of comes along with it. Of course, you've got to, you, you can't build a relationship without trust. Uh, and when you are fo- relationship focused, it automatically triggers things in the person that receives it that makes them more open than to receive, you know, engaging using what you've de- what you've delivered and looking forward to the next one. I love all of that. It's and you mentioned reciprocity. It's like give before you expect to get. Yeah, totally. So you know what what am I providing along the way that literally compels somebody to continue this loop and continue the relationship? Well, it's a great point too, because it's so most people when they think give, they think, oh, well, what I'll do is I'll surprise them with some special gift. I'll give them more stuff. And it's really more about giving, being open to the relationship and and giving of relationship capital uh, then helps you create more relationship capital. You can't expect somebody to become a lifelong subscriber because they joined today. Uh, unless you are fostering a lifelong relationship. Otherwise, there's no like there's no deal that they're going to be a lifelong member just because they joined. That's not part of it. You know, in fact, you probably tell them that they can cancel at any time. Duh. You know, why would you think that you know, you're not going to attract lifelong people from zero to, to 100 that way? So what you've got to do is take the people that you're getting and turn them into lifelong members and subscribers by fostering a relationship. Just... You know, it's the stuff that's in, you know, your book. It's just using that in a way that helps foster a relationship. Yeah. And I was so happy to hear you talk about relationship capital versus free gifts. <laughs> I've worked with so many sales groups over the years. Well, we, well, we, we drop by and we give them this, we send them that we're giving them free stuff. <sighs> if somebody is not buying from you, and your tactic to get them to buy for you is keep giving them free stuff. They know the free stuff is only coming because they haven't bought and likely will shut off when they do buy. <laughs> so you're literally demotivating them. You're putting them in the power mm. position. The more I resist you, the more I get cool stuff. So send it my way. I'm currently happy with whoever else I'm using. I I, I like Cinnabon, but it, I never really realized why I, I did nobody knows like why why are you bringing these donuts? Why are you bringing the stuff? Do you really even it, it it really demonstrates you don't understand me or care because you're not you're you'd rather spend the money at the at the Duncan and buy, buy a box of donuts than to take the time to really care about what my needs are so that you can help me. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a thing. Helping me uh, get a, a new understanding about the world, helping me get a new understanding about me, helping me solve a problem, like helping me have a new skill. All those things are great gifts beyond the Cinnabon. And, and it, when you when done thoughtfully, are actually way more powerful than dropping by with some stuff that you got. Uh, you know, at the local place. It's just, it's lazy. Uh, Lazy is a great way. I feel like it's lazy and it's a hopeful act. I'm hopeful that if you see me doing something nice for you, you'll give me a couple of minutes. That's not reciprocity. No, it's not at 
all. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree more putting the time, putting the, like the strategic thought into how can I add some sort of unexpected, unforeseen value into their life? It can be a little act, but it makes all the difference in the world. Well, in fact, I got so tired of donuts and such that in my bio, uh, back in, I think 2004, I put, I added in my bio that I enjoy smoking Partagas number 10 cigars and um, and so they're now it like cut in half the amount of donuts that I receive. And now I still get part of number 10 cigars. And I can say that that was a, a nice innovation. So uh, like uh, that, that was a nice change. I don't I, I, I don't mind receiving those a bit. I may be adding Guinness to my bio within five <laughs> minutes of us call, ending this conversation. I like. I enjoy drinking a sixteen-ounce can of Guinness uh, by the pool in the evenings, yeah. and uh, with his wife and family. And and that way, yes, I found that that could be very productive. And uh, uh, maybe even include the Mercedes, you know, in case somebody's really ambitious. Why not? I mean, I didn't want to push this relationship too far. If those Harley dealerships you have a good relationship with, they're looking to offload a Road King they don't need anymore. I'll give them my old dime. But I, I, I'd appreciate the Road King if they've got one that they're just looking to kind of get off the lot. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so we've been talking about what people need to experience, which for me is all about, when we talk about the discipline listening method, we talk about creating communication experiences that other people require in order for them to do what we want them to do. And it really, I feel like that's what we're talking about here. Even with good intentions, what are some of the things you see subscription businesses do to mess this up? And, and you know, giving away the free stuff is one, and I feel like we've touched on a few, but they think that they're delivering value, but what they're actually doing is either falling short or pushing people away. The There's a couple. One of the things that I loved about your book in particular is um, – is it starts with uh, having even a few, a little contemplative moment with yourself about like, who is this person? What are they living through? What do they need? And starting with them and where they are rather than starting with what you want and what you're trying to get them to do. And I think that I, I, that that's one of the key essentials you know, regarding the, the, you know, asking them those conversations where they're, you know, revealing some information that they may not have wanted to reveal and all that stuff. It all starts with understanding. One of the things that, um, that, that is it, the key is that again, it, it, there's another, you know what, I think the best way of saying it is it, what they need changes as they are your customer, as they are your member, as you're part of the relationship. And one of the key things is if you're, if you're going to take your wife out to dinner, uh, you heard, you've heard about a great place and it's like, oh, well, you know, hey, I heard about this great restaurant. Why don't we uh, go visit it? It's like, okay, you know, this. You know, so now it's like it's, there's kind of some stakes, right? Because, you know, whether or not you have a good meal is highly dependent on whether she has a good meal. And, you know, and and so in this first experience, the service has got to be pretty good. The food has got to be great. You know, there's, you know, if the bathrooms are dirty, then it's game over. You know, there thing in this, in this moment, it's got to be good or you're probably never going back. 
And within any relationship, the first building block is trust. You've got to deliver in a very transparent, easy manner exactly what you promised and 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 get and more so. And and it's and and it's really got to be clear that like you know coming by the 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 Krispy Kreme or the the Cinnabon is kind of like an, an analogy of you know if you and your wife sat down to dinner and the server was late and kind of you know hung up somewhere and the service was slow you know she comes by with a couple of pieces of key lime pie and goes oh I'm sorry I'm late here's some key lime pie it's like. I wasn't like I haven't eaten my dinner. I don't want key lime pie. This is it's just wrong, and and so it's recognizing what is appropriate for the situation, what is appropriate for the context, what your customer really needs, and delivering it fast with great service, fine execution. Now you and your wife enjoy this restaurant, and so you start frequenting it once a week. And you know you've been going for about six weeks. You've had the same server, you know, three or four times out of that. By you know six weeks, you're kind of expecting that server to sort of acknowledge that you've been there, right? You're like, ah, you know, if if they still treat you like, oh, have you been here before? Like you were my server last week and the week before. Yes, I was here. Like you, know, you, 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 you. What was top notch, excellent execution? Suddenly, your expectations change a little bit because you've been around. You you kind of expect that the relationship moves forward. You expect that they sort of recognize you. And at some point, going there frequently enough that maybe the manager recognizes you, or you know that you know they they at least know what you want to drink if you drink the same thing every week, and they 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 have a sense of who you are, and they 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 chit chat with you. And so the the next level is importance. And that's the key piece, even if you're selling subscriptions, is that you are seeing them, you're recognizing them, you, you've, you've identified that they are in for a longer time. And so you are treating them different in that moment. And you are showing that they are special. And, and so there is a, you want to feel a new level of status as a frequent uh, patron versus somebody that's there for the first time. And it's critical that you have that transition within your communication with your new members. That's one of the reasons why I think the onboarding and the first 100 days is so important so that you can transition from that, from the trust to the importance. And then the third stage is, you know, you and your wife go to this place so often that not only are you recognized by the manager and half the employees there, at least the half that have been there for more than a couple of weeks. But now all of a sudden the other regulars also know you and you're hang, you're, you're talking to people. You may never see them anywhere else except this restaurant, but once a week you go and you see them and you say hi and you get to know them. And so now it's the relationship. You don't really even care about the food, right? It's like the service could be horrible. You could have to wait. 10 times as long as you normally should, or maybe you, you don't get your, or, you know, even and in that case, sometimes if you see somebody that's not getting their drink, maybe you give like you, there's a new customer, you'll fill their water and, and help them out because really now it's all about community and you're going to that restaurant really without any regard to whether or not the restaurant's any good. You're going to see your buddies. You're going to see people you don't get to see anywhere. And that's the third stage is in community and engagement. 
and being part of a movement and feeling like you belong. And you cannot, too many people try to sell that belonging. Like, oh, it's such a great rock star community. We have such great people here. Uh, people love coming around. And you can't do that. You know, it people aren't, people don't buy community cold. They want, you got to sell trust and fulfill on it. You got to help them feel important and special. And only then are they ready to kind of engage and be part of that community. And so that three-step process is what I really see as the key for building any sort of relationship, movement, political party, um, mastermind group, uh, business of any type. And it makes perfect sense to hear you illustrated. And the restaurant analogy was a great analogy. It's common. We've all been there. We all understand it. And I think at different points, we've all had that local spot or that favorite spot. So it's the perfect analogy. When we're building that trust phase, especially in the beginning, there may be times where we're doing that with people who are predisposed not to trust us. They're skeptical. They're unsure. I imagine if it's a face-to-face -face interaction that there's some techniques that we've all kind of either gotten accustomed to or do naturally, we've learned to help break those barriers. But if we're interfacing largely online at this point for customers, mm -hmm. uh, for subscription businesses, I would imagine, what are some techniques that you've seen work successfully to help chip away at that skepticism? So uh, I was taught a, uh, great coach of mine for years uh was his name is rob berkeley he passed unfortunately uh but uh but one of the things that he taught me is that you build trust by making commitments and keeping commitments and 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 what you're what you you do online is is you uh you can offer a what we would call a lead magnet because you can become a guide and it's going to de deliver this or i'm going to have a webinar and it's going to deliver that and uh, or you know, click here to learn more about this. And I see so many times where online people kind of hide the ball, so to speak, where they'll promise a lead magnet and then they'll deliver a sales video. And I'm perfectly fine with sales videos. I think I love I I love them very much. Uh, but I always also include what I promised because to the extent that you are promising one thing and and this is this is one of the key things too is that you've got to first make a promise before you can deliver and then have that lead trust so if you just deliver the lead magnet or you just uh send them this great solution to their problem well then you've first got to go oh I'll get that for you or I've got this would you like it and they say yes you got to send it to them and and deliver what you promised. So that's the, that's what, what the really, so that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of subscription businesses bring me in to review their sales. And, you know, I, I, I'm the retention guy, but really retention starts when you acquire the, the subscriber. And so I'll go through their entire sales process, looking at how they're, you know, the subscriber acquisition, the promises that they're making, you know, I'll, I'll buy and go through and see how they're welcoming what the, what the what it looks like when after you buy and then you know look at the communication and 
over and over again, I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe you got a higher percentage of some sort of conversion metric uh, for a time, uh, but it doesn't necessarily, you're not going to build a subscription business with long-term subscribers if you aren't building trust within the sales process. And as long as you are trying to hide the ball for some sort of incremental improvement and some sort of conversion funnel stat, you're not going to be growing your subscriber base. And I think that, you know, building a system, a sales system that is trust first is the key to building trust as a with your brand new subscriber after they do choose to join because otherwise you're attracting you you're only fostering more suspicion and if they kind of even though they tiptoe in because there's some big promise they're they're kind of doing it with like one foot in one foot out and you know the the first first opportunity to bolt they will uh and if you're not delivering making promises and keeping promises Fantastic. And I would imagine that for most people in most situations, metaphorically speaking, if you're one foot in, one foot out, you're looking for a reason to bolt. Of course. If if we were committed to this, both feet would be in. So most people don't tiptoe in and start thinking, okay, I want to move forward. I want to be drawn in. I want more. They're going in little by little because they're thinking, I'm not sure this is the right idea. And I'm I've got my alert system up for the first indication that I should turn around and go the other way. So that's, that's a great point. Well, if this person was your wife or this person was your father, or this person was your grandma, you'd want them to be leery of somebody selling them something online. Like that's, that's the behavior we teach people to have when they're going into this situation is to be leery, to be watchful, to, to, to not fall for things. And quite frankly, you know, they're, they're, you're being compared uh, that's one of the things that I've got to teach my one of the things I've I've had a major impetus this year on is helping my on my long-term clients with annual subscription renewals. So you sell an annual subscription and yeah, it's auto bill and most subscription businesses are like auto bill, that means I don't have to worry about it. Like but auto bill more than 20% of those charges are going to fail unless you put some things in the account that help you improve that. And, and by gosh, you know, if you, uh, if you're able to improve your conversion rate by 10% on customers that already want to be your customer, you know, this is a massive business opportunity, but what customers are seeing now is, I don't know if you've got it, but there's a email that comes that says your geek squad subscriptions renewed. And if you don't want it, call. Well, you know, now so you know, you and your annual renewal for your subscription. And I know that everybody listening to here is an upstanding individual, and you know that your subscription is ethical, but your customers don't. And your email is right above or right below some fraud scammer that's trying to get them to click and call so that they can have some scammer uh, on their computer, you know, empty in their bank account. And it's all over AARP and it's everywhere. And now your customers are being trained to be leery of subscription renewal notices. And unfortunately, they're going to be leery of yours too. 
And you have to recognize, I think that what kind of, you know, that discipline listening first, you want them to renew the subscription. I get it. I want them to renew your subscription too, but we got to start with them in mind and what they're getting is a barrage of things that tell them that these subscriptions could be fraudulent, maybe fraudulent, or maybe expensive and can get be gotten rid of. And that's where your customer starts. Every that's the, the default user these days. And what if you want it to be anything different than the default, then you've got to earn that opportunity by being responsive and helping build trust. So happy to hear you describe it that way. I and it's it comes from my interrogation background, but I truly believe that if we go into any relationship or interaction, assuming that people want to do what we want them to do, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Sure. If we go in assuming that they're likely more motivated to resist what we want to do, then we can put together a moral, ethical, legal strategy to help them work through it. If by chance they were all ready to go, then great. We don't need that strategy. But if we came in assuming this was going to be easy and it's not, we're setting ourselves up for failure and trust is synonymous with vulnerability. So if I'm thinking, I'm not sure what this is, I'm vulnerable. Well, I've lived this many years without it. Why do I need to do it now? So walking people through that process is critically important. Well, and in our, in particularly Western culture, vulnerable is equated with weak. Yeah. Uh, like it's almost a synonym, right? And so, you know, you know um, it, it, your your customer has to sub, subject themselves to being weaker than maybe they want to be in order to say yes to your product if unless you are able to connect with them on where they want to go forward so i think it's yeah it's it's very very thoughtful something that uh, has really resonated with me with your work I appreciate that. I feel like with what you do, it's almost for the for the new customers we're trying to onboard, and to a degree, the customers we're trying to retain. Am I balancing what I believe I'll get with this with the risk of being taken advantage of? Right. the The good news is in in marketing that most customers desperately, the buyers most desperately want to believe the promise. You know, if you're suffering from diabetes and there is this, you know, diabetes thing that they can subscribe to and they're going to be healthy and be able to do what they want, they really want to believe that. If somebody wants to lose weight and you come forward with some sort of weight loss program that helps them enjoy all the foods that they love to enjoy and it allows them to lose that weight, they want that process. If you're coming to an employee and you have a business that's growing and there's some great opportunity for them to do things that they love doing with people they enjoy being with, and that this gives them a more lucrative uh, potential uh, going forward, they want to believe that. And, and so it's it's understanding that they are leery and they are very protective and they don't want to be vulnerable with the you know interspersing them with the messages that you know they want to hear and they pro the propositions they want to believe so that that's where the magic is and where you're able to grow your business couldn't agree more 
I'm keeping an eye on the clock here and I want to be very respectful of your time. I really appreciate you being here today and I know you have a lot going on. I do have one question that I am very interested in your insight. It's far outside of my field of expertise, although I get asked questions around it a lot, as I'm sure most people do these days. But especially in subscription businesses, I can imagine much of the process has already been automated since the good old days of putting stamps on envelopes and sending them out. Um, But now with the prevalence of AI, I'm imagining that many organizations are likely looking to capitalize on that and, and automate more and more and more of what they do. So I'm really curious on your opinion, and maybe based on what you do, you have some specific research or insights on this, but... Do you feel like as organizations rely more and more on AI that they can successfully build trust that way? Interesting. It depends on what you rely on AI for. You know, I, um, I, uh, I've done a lot of work with AI. I've been using it uh, now for, you know, I, I jumped in in December and, uh, and it, it's been a tremendous tool for me. I've been able to, you know, for for some things, uh, it, I've been able to improve my actual productivity like thirty times. Yeah, you know, the um, yeah, I think the I think it's interesting because uh, I'm in the process of writing a book and uh, a, and one of the one of the exercises in the book is to to write forty different things down, forty reasons why your customer won't buy what you are offering. And then there's another exercise to buy to write down 40 things, 40 uh, reasons why your customer would buy what you are offering, and and I think it's, I'm amused that uh, the solution for some people is to put that in that question into an AI and and propagate a reply, and the point of the exercise is not the actual answers. The point is that you like might have 12 easy ones and that 13 through 40 pushes you to think about things that you never would have thought before and to make connections that you never would have made before. And certainly AI is very good at surfacing connections that have been made in the past, but it has no ability to create things that have never existed. And, and, and that's what humans are good at. And and so our entrepreneurs in particular, and and also you know the, the exercise is not to create a list. The exercise is to um, is to prompt you to have a better understanding than you did before. That helps change your approach and create an offer that nobody has heard before. So, like. AI as in creating, like, for instance, I, I believe wholeheartedly that an AI uh, assistant with a radiologist together can spot cancers in a X-ray or an MRI better than the radiologist alone. And that there are a number of those types of applications for AI that you know, are going to help automate and make the execution a whole lot better. But AI uh, and the individuals that will succeed with AI are individuals who understand how to ask the question and that will understand that that's really the 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 answer was the the answer was never the point. The it was the question that was the point. And whether you're posing that question to the AI, 
or whether you're posing the question to your team, or whether you're posing that question to your customer client uh, or to your family. And that's the real gift. And that's the real breakthrough. And AI, I think, is kind of like an assistant that's inexpensive. You know, it's kind of like the you know, we saw the, we, I know I saw the revolution of typewriter to word processor and how it improves productivity and what people could uh, output. I think there'll be a similar iteration between a word processor without an AI and word processor with, um, but that's it. Um, AI, um, it, it, the, the gift has always been the person who can ask the questions and understanding that that's where the secret is and where the skill lies. Uh, the answer is frankly, now could be produced by AI. It's not as re relevant as asking the right question. Well, I appreciate that answer. Thank you. I agree with your insight. I know you're somebody with more experience and you're more in tune to it, especially with what you do. But I think that that was a very thoughtful answer oh, and not you. just a blanket AI is going to make everything easier and faster and we all should embrace it or mm -hmm. not. The AI is terrible and it's going to ruin civilization. So I, I do agree. And I think that radiology example is perfect. Like if we can put enough x-rays into the machine so the machine knows these tiny little things to look for, well, now the trained human eye can look for the variations while the computer is looking for that. So those mm -hmm. types of examples, I think, are fantastic. Agreed. I can't thank you enough for this conversation Aww, today. Thank you. thank you so much. It's been great to catch up. Thank you for all the value that you shared. I'm sincerely hopeful that plenty of people are listening to this right now thinking, Robert sounds like a guy I need to learn more from. So <laughs> where should people go to learn more from you, learn more about your services, potentially connect with you, purchase your book, so on and so forth? You can get a free book at uh, subscriptionsmadeeasy.com. There's a, uh, the nine, uh, it, here's this uh, subscription success book, the nine proven models for exponential subscription growth. So if you're looking to add recurring revenue to your existing business or take a look at uh, subscription models and why some models like Costco work differently than some like Netflix, uh, then, uh, then this book is at subscriptionsmadeeasy.com. Awesome. So I'll make sure that I've got, I mean, I've got your LinkedIn profile and I've got your web addresses and your YouTube channel and things like that. And I'll make sure that I put all of those links in the show notes for you. And I'll make sure that I put a Amazon link for your book as well. Oh. Let's see if we can get you up to 15,005 by the end of the week. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's going to double it up, skyrocket it now. <laughs> Uh, but in all seriousness, you know, as we've got to know each other over the years, it's been fantastic to learn from you, to experience what you do, your perspective and expertise. So thank you very much for taking the time to share with all of us today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. I am a Michael Reddington fan, of course, and I absolutely an honor to be here. Thank you for, for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. We'll see you soon. Welcome. All right. Robert, thank you so much for such a great conversation. I really appreciate all of the ideas and techniques that you shared. And I'm really, really happy with how we were able to tie your specific niche, your expertise into so many other business conversations and communication opportunities as well. Thank you so much. When we think about the topics of 
bringing on new subscription members or stopping new subscription members from leaving, well, that's just like attracting, onboarding, and retaining employees. When we talk about inspiring value immediately and incrementally, the same is true in our business in personal relationships. When we talk about developing trust, when we talk about delivering on our promises, recognizing people as individuals, all of these things translate to all of our conversations. And thank you for helping us illustrate that from your perspective and your expertise. I really do appreciate it. Of course, thank you all for being here and listening to the show today. We always appreciate that. Thank you very much. And we can't leave without thanking our sponsors one more time. So, of course, we have HumanTel for everybody who is curious to understand what are people likely thinking and feeling based on changes in their facial expressions and body language. Please head over to HumanTel.com and enter the code INQUASIVE25 for 25% off of their online best-in-class training. Again, I vouch for it. I've done it myself. I highly recommend it. Please head over to HumanTel. For people interested in growing their emotional intelligence education, please head over to ei-magazine.com for their library of books, podcasts, interviews, training programs, and so much more. They have so much great content over there. Head over to ei-magazine.com. And of course, for the professional interviewers, please take a few minutes and head over to certifiedinterviewer.com for the International Association of Interviewers. That is where you can find all of their content, all of their resources, all of their education opportunities, all of their networking opportunities, the events they have coming up, all the member benefits for you and your team, you can find them there. And of course, while you're there, please check out the Certified Forensic Interviewer designation to determine if that is something you believe you and your team are ready to commit themselves to at this point. I can't thank all of you for being here and listening to the show, watching the show. Thank you so very much. Please let us know what you think, how you feel. What would you like to see more of or less of, hear more of or less of? What direction can we take this? We certainly want to give you what you're looking for. Share your feedback, please. We would love to hear it. Also, please do the things the algorithms ask us to do. Like the show, subscribe to the show, comment on the show, share it. Tell your friends and coworkers about it. We truly appreciate the support. Thank you very much. Please stay safe, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.